Lesson 8 of The Elements of Herpetology and Ichthyology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lauren Huff. Elements of Herpetology and Ichthyology by William Ruschenberger. Lesson 8 Order of Subbrachian Malacopterygians. Family of Godoides. Cods. Common cod. Cod fishery. Whiting. Hake. Ling. Family of Pleuronectes. Organization. Place. Turbot. Soul. Family of Discoboli. Family of Echineus. Remora. Order of Apotus Malacopterygians. Eels. Common eel. Sea eel. Gymnotus electricus. Order of Lophobranchians. Organization. Hippocampus. Order of Plectonathi. Organization. Diodon. Trunkfish. Order of Malacopterygii subbrachiatae. This order is distinguished from other Malacopterygians by the situation of the ventral fins, which are placed beneath the pectorals, the pelvis being suspended immediately from the bones of the shoulder. The subbrachian Malacopterygians constitute four families, namely Godoides, Pleuronectes, Discoboli, and Echineus. The family of Godoides is composed of subbrachian malacopterygians in which the body is a little compressed and symmetrical, in which the ventral fins are sharpened to a point and attached under the throat. They are covered with soft, small scales. Most of them live in cold or temperate seas, and they afford to man an abundance of good and wholesome food. In this family are placed the genera of cod, whiting, ling, etc. The cods, gaddis, are distinguished by the existence of three dorsal and two anal fins, and a cirrus at the end of the muzzle or snout. The most important species of this genus is the cod properly so-called, Gaddis marua, a fish two or three feet long, with a gray back spotted yellowish, and a white belly. Cods are found in greatest abundance in the ocean between the 40th and 60th degrees of north latitude. On the coasts of Norway, in the neighborhood of Iceland, and especially in the waters of Newfoundland, they are found in incalculable numbers. During winter, they retire to the depths of the sea, but in the warm season, the necessity of casting their spawn and of providing for their subsistence causes them to approach the shore and fathomable waters. In some localities, the cod fishery is conducted with seines four or five hundred feet in length, but generally they are caught with a hook and line, baited with herring, the gills of codfish, etc. A skillful fisherman may catch, in this way, four hundred codfishes in a day. The fish is prepared in different ways for preservation. When simply salted, it is known in commerce as green cod. When dried without being salted, it is stockfish. And when salted and dried in the sun, it is called dry cod. The tongues, salted or pickled with the swimming bladders, are much esteemed and known under the title of tongues and sounds. The sound or swimming bladder of the codfish, if rightly prepared, supplies an isinglass equal to the best Russian and applicable to all the uses for which the imported is employed. The liver yields a large quantity of pure limpid oil, cod liver oil, which in many respects and for most purposes is superior to the commonly used fish oil. Catching and preparing codfish are very important branches of maritime industry. About 12,000 French and a very much larger number of English and American fishermen are yearly engaged in this business. The whitings, merlongus, have the same number of fins as the cod, but no cirri. The common whiting, Gaddis merlangus, which is about a foot long, silvery beneath, reddish-gray or olive above, may be recognized by the upper jaw being longer than the lower. It inhabits European seas and is much esteemed for the lightness of its delicate flesh. On the coast of Brittany it is salted and dried like the cod. The hakes, merluccius, have no cirri and differ from the cods in the number of their fins. 
They have but two dorsal fins and one posterior to the anus. The common hake, Gaddis merluccius, is from one to two feet in length and sometimes much longer. The back is brown-gray, the anterior dorsal fin pointed, lower jaw longest. The hake is taken in great numbers, both in the Mediterranean and Atlantic. It is usually found in pursuit of mackerel shoals. When salted and dried, it receives in the north the name of stockfish, which is also applied to the cod. The lings, lota, have a greater or less number of cirri, and the same fins as the hakes. They are almost as numerous as the cod in the northern seas. The common ling differs from other godoides in the almost cylindrical form of its body, in its depressed head and habits. It is the only fish of this family that ascends rivers into fresh water. Its flesh is much esteemed. The family of Pleuronectes comprises what are vulgarly called the flat fishes. These animals have the body very much compressed laterally, and very much elevated vertically, but what especially distinguishes them is a want of symmetry in the head, a character which is not observed in any other vertebrate animal. Both eyes are placed on the same side, which is always uppermost when the animal swims, and is always deeply colored, while the opposite side is always whitish. The two sides of the mouth are unequal, and it is rare to find both pectoral fins perfectly alike. The dorsal fin extends along the whole back, the anal fin occupies the lower part of the body, and the ventrals seem to be continuous with it in front, as they are almost united one to the other. They want the swimming bladder, swim on the side, and seldom quit the bottom. The principal genera of this family are the place, the turbot, and the sole. The place, platessa, have in each jaw a row of cutting and obtuse teeth. Most generally, the pharyngeal bones are furnished with teeth like pebbles. The dorsal fin extends as far forward as a point above the upper eye, leaving a naked interval between it and the caudal fin. Their form is rhomboidal, and most frequently their eyes are on the right side. The common place, platessa platessa, is easily recognized by six or seven tubercles, forming a straight line on the right side of the head between the eyes, and by the pale yellow spots which relieve the brown on the same side of the body. It is three times as long as it is high, and its scales are thin and soft. Its flesh is very tender and much esteemed. Its weight sometimes reaches 16 pounds. It is common on the coasts of France and abounds on those of Holland. The flounder, Platessa flesis, resembles the commonplace, but only has small granules between the eyes and has a small rough button at the base of each ray of the dorsal and atal fins. It inhabits our coast and ascends rivers. In many individuals, the eyes are on the left instead of the right side of the head. The lemandi or dab, Platessa lemanda, has a projecting line between the eyes and a body which is comparatively higher than it is long. Its scales are rougher than in any of the preceding species, from which circumstance it has derived its name, from lima, a file. The teeth are straighter, and the side upon which the eyes are placed is light brown with some faded brown and whitish spots. The holobit, Hippoglossus vulgaris, or Platessa hippoglossus, has the form and fins of a Platessa, but the jaws and pharynx are armed with teeth, which are most commonly strong and pointed. The eyes are on the right side. It is a voracious fish, and is found in the northern seas and our own coast. It is taken with a line, and sometimes weighs 500 pounds. The turbot, Platessa maximus, has a rhomboidal body, almost as high as it is long, and studded on the brown side with small tubercles. The eyes are close together, and there is a projecting crest between them. It is probably the most valuable of the flatfishes, and excepting the holobit, grows larger than any of the others. It is highly prized in England. It is also met with on our own coast. Soles, solia, have an oblong body, a round projecting snout, the dorsal extending from the mouth to the anal fin, and the mouth distorted and armed with teeth on one side only. The common sole, Platessa solia, or solia vulgaris, is olive-brown on the right side and grayish on the left. 
It is found on our own coast, chiefly at the mouths of rivers, and is an excellent fish. The family of Discoboli is composed of a small number of subbrachian malacopter regions, which have the ventral fins united in form of a disc. It includes two genera, in which are placed the lumpfish and lumpsucker. The family of Echineus, formed of a single genus, is remarkable among all fishes for a flattened disc which covers the head. It is composed of a certain number of movable, transverse, cartilaginous plates, standing obliquely backwards, by the assistance of which the animal can attach itself to different bodies to which it applies this singular instrument. By this means, it often attaches itself to rocks, to vessels, and to other fishes, particularly to the shark. A species which lives in the Mediterranean and the Atlantic has been long celebrated under the name of remora, or sucking fish, and its history is loaded with fable. It was pretended that this fish lived by a species of suction, which it exerted by means of the disc above mentioned, and the power of arresting the fastest sailing vessel in her course was attributed to it. A species similar to the preceding is very common in the waters of the Isle of France, and it appears that on the coast of Caffraria it is employed in fishing. Setting it off in pursuit of fishes, and drawing it in by a line attached to the tail as soon as it has fixed itself to its prey. Order of Malacopterygii apoda. All the fishes of this order have an elongated form, a thick, soft, and but slightly scaly skin, but their chief characteristic is their want of ventral fins. They form a single natural family, Anguilliformes, which is composed of the tribe of eels, gymnotus, etc., etc. Fishes of the tribe of Anguilliformes have a long, slender body, and the scales, as it were, encrusted in a thick, fat skin. The operculum is small, surrounded by the branchiostegus rays in form of a circle, which are enveloped in the skin and open very far back by a hole or sort of tube, an arrangement which affords better protection to the gills and enables these fishes to remain some time out of water without perishing. Eels, murina, are characterized by having pectoral fins and the openings of the gills beneath them. Those which have the dorsal and caudal fins prolonged around the end of the tail so as to form a pointed caudal fin are designated under the name of eels properly so called, and are again subdivided into common eels and conger eels, according as the dorsal fin commences far from or near to the pectoral fins. Common eels, anguilla, are too well known to require description. Their color varies according to age, and as it appears according to the quality of the water in which they dwell. Those that inhabit limpid waters have a greenish back, striped brown, and a white or silvery belly, while those that are caught in the mud are ordinarily blackish-brown above and yellowish beneath. Eels are very voracious and extremely agile. They swim equally well backward and forward, and their skin is so slippery that it is difficult to hold them. During a great part of their life they inhabit fresh water, and frequent ponds and seas as well as rivers. By day they almost always keep buried in the mud, or lie concealed in holes they excavate near the shore. These holes are sometimes very extensive, and lodge a great number of eels, but in general their diameter is small, and they open externally at both ends, which enables the animal to escape more readily when threatened by danger. When the season is very warm and the stagnant waters of the pools begin to putrefy, the eels leave the bottom and conceal themselves in the herbage of the shore, or even cross the land in search of a more favorable locality. They can, in fact, crawl on the ground like serpents, and remain a considerable time in the air without perishing. Ordinarily they make these singular journeys during the night, and when it is extremely dry, they bury themselves in the mud and continue there until the water returns. The length of time they can remain there without perishing is surprising. These fishes have been known to remain for months or even years in the mud of dried up pools or in holes destitute of water, and nevertheless regain their activity the moment they were placed in their native element. This is not the only circumstance under which these fishes display their remarkable tenacity of life. They may be deprived of their skin and their viscera and be cut in pieces. 
without depriving the trunk of their body of the power of yet moving for some time. In early life they inhabit the sea, and in the spring the young eels ascend rivers to dwell in fresh water, which when full-grown they abandon to deposit their eggs in the sea. The name of conger eels is applied to eels that differ very little from common eels, except that they are of large size and always dwell in the sea or salt water. Murini, properly so called, Murina, are entirely without pectoral fins, and their branchiae open on each side by a small hole. The most celebrated species is the Murina helena, which attains more than three feet in length and is marbled throughout with brown and yellowish. It is widely spread over the Mediterranean and was very highly esteemed by the ancients. The Romans reared them in great numbers in their magnificent fish ponds, decorated them with jewels, and taught them to come at the sound of their master's voice. Hirius was the first to consecrate fish ponds exclusively to Murini, and he caused 6,000 of these fishes to be served up in an entertainment given to Caesar when he was named dictator. The gymnotai, which have the gills partially closed by a membrane, but opening in front of the pectoral fins, also belong to this order. The gymnotai properly so called, gymnotus, have, like the other fishes of this division, a ventral fin which extends under the greater part of the body, but they want the fins at the end of the tail, and their skin is without perceptible scales. They inhabit the rivers of South America, and one of them, the electric eel, Gymnotus electricus, is celebrated on account of the violent electric shocks it has the power of communicating at will and in the direction it pleases. This fish acquires five or six feet in length, its body is elongated and of the same size throughout, and its skin is imbued with a gluey matter. It is very common in the small rivulets and lakes, and met with here and there on the immense plains situate between the Cordillera, the Orinoco, and Banda Oriental. It is also found in the Apure, Orinoco, Meta, etc. The electric shocks which it gives are sufficiently powerful to knock down men and horses, and the gymnotus resorts to this means of defending itself against its enemies, and to kill at a distance fishes upon which it feeds, for water, as well as metals, transmits the benumbing shock of the singular animal in the same manner that the lightning rod conducts the electricity of the clouds from the atmosphere to the earth. Its first discharges of electricity are generally feeble, but when it is irritated and agitated, they become more and more powerful and are then terrible. When it has thus given repeated shocks, it becomes exhausted and requires a greater or less period of rest before it regains its power. It is said that it employs this time in charging its electric organs, and that the Americans avail themselves of this circumstance to capture it without danger. To catch the gymnotai, they drive into the pools inhabited by these fishes wild horses which, receiving the first shocks, are soon benumbed and thrown down or even killed. Then they obtain the exhausted gymnotai with nets or a harpoon. The electric apparatus of the gymnotus extends all along the back and tail and consists of four longitudinal fasciculi, composed of a great number of membranous plates, which are parallel and very close together, and arranged almost horizontally and united by an infinity of other smaller lamellae placed vertically crosswise. The little prismatic and transverse cells formed by the junction of these laminae are filled by a gelatinous matter. The whole apparatus is supplied with very large nerves. Order of Lophobranchii this order is distinguished by the branchiae, which, in place of being pectinate, that is, having the form of comb teeth, as is ordinarily the case, are divided into small round tufts arranged in pairs along the branchial arches. They are enclosed under a large operculum which is attached on all sides by a membrane, leaving only a small hole for the escape of water, and in its thickness we find only vestiges of branchiostegus rays. These fishes are also recognized by the male-like plates which cover the body, and render it almost always angular. They are generally small. To this order belongs the hippocampus, the body of which is laterally compressed and more elevated than the tail. On curling up after death, the head and trunk bear some resemblance to the head of a horse in miniature, which has obtained for this little fish the common name of seahorse. 
Order of Plectonathi. The fishes composing this group form the connecting link between the ordinary and cartilaginous fishes, as much by the conformation of their jaws as by the tardy consolidation of their skeleton. Their chief distinctive character is that the maxillary is solidly fixed upon the side of the intermaxillary bone, which alone forms the jaw, and that the palatine arch articulates with the cranium in a manner which renders it immovable. Moreover, their opercula and branchiostegus rays are concealed beneath a thick skin, which leaves externally only a small branchial slit. They have no true ventral fins, and they have only vestiges of ribs. This order comprises two families recognizable by the opening of their mouth, namely the gymnodontes and the sclerodermi. In the family of gymnodontes, there are no apparent teeth, but the jaws are furnished with a species of ivory beak, internally divided into plates, which represent the teeth. It includes the diadon, the tetradon, the mole, etc. The diadon has received this name because the jaws, being undivided, have each but a single piece, while in the tetradon they are divided in the middle by a suture, so as to present the appearance of four teeth, two above and two below. These two genera of fishes have the faculty of swelling themselves up like a balloon by swallowing air, and thus distending a first, very extensible stomach, which occupies the whole length of the abdomen. This peculiarity has obtained for them the common names of swellfish, porcupine fish, balloon fish, blower, etc., and furnishes them with the means of defense. For when the skin is distended, the spines with which it is armed become everywhere erect and bristle the whole surface of the body, and when they are thus swelled, they turn over, the belly coming uppermost, and they float on the surface of the sea without the power of directing their course. They are found in the tropical seas and on the North American coast. The sunfishes or moles, cephalus, sometimes called moonfishes, resemble the diadon in the arrangement of their jaws, but their body, which is compressed and of a strange shape, has no spines, nor is it susceptible of inflation, and their tail is so short and so high vertically, they appear like fishes having the posterior part cut off. One species, which sometimes attains more than four feet in length, weighing over 300 pounds, inhabits the coast of France. The family of sclerodermi is easily distinguished by the conical or pyramidal snout, prolonged from the eyes and terminated by a small mouth, armed with a small number of distinct teeth. The skin is generally rough or covered with hard scales. Some of them, named ballistes, have a compressed body covered by a scaly or granular skin, but not osseous. They have eight teeth, generally trenchant, arranged in a single row in each jaw, and two dorsal fins. They are found in great numbers in the torrid zone. Others, called trunk fishes, ostracheon, have, in place of scales, regular bony compartments or plates, united into a kind of inflexible coat of mail which covers the head and body, so that they can only move the tail, the fins, the mouth, and a kind of small lip around the edge of their gills, which pass through the holes in this cuirass. Each jaw is armed with ten or twelve conical teeth. They are found on the coast of the United States. End of Lesson 8 Recording by Lauren Huff